two, one. Welcome in Husker Extra Podcast. I'm Chris. There's Parker. There's Steve. Husker Extra Podcast brought to you by Tom Denzel Automotive, Grandon and Hastings. We thank those guys for, for hooking us up, allowing us to bring this to you every week. A lot to get to today. Uh, first day of the national signing period uh, for a lot of sports, uh, including volleyball, basketball, baseball. Uh, Nebraska has pulled in a lot of big time recruits in all three sports so far today. We'll talk about that a little later on. Um, also, we got a football game to talk about. Nebraska taking on uh, Penn State Saturday, 11 a.m. kick. The uh, third consecutive 11 a.m. kick for the Scarlet and Cream. Hey, at least there's a game. There's a, there's a lot of people in college football who don't have a game this week. Yeah, in, including, including the team that uh, Penn State played last week, Maryland, uh, who, of course, canceled their game with Ohio State because of some COVID cases. But, yeah, interesting one, you know, especially after what we saw last week at Northwestern. Um, the quarterback issue has, of course, kind of been at the top of everybody's mind uh, since that game, as well as a lot of other uh, position battles um, that, that aren't maybe getting quite the pub. But, you know, let's, let's just start there. And this is our Husker Extra Hot Topic this week. What do you guys expect uh, from the Nebraska's quarterback position Saturday? Go ahead, Pete. Okay. Um, yeah, well, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Um, I mean, the main, the main question, right. is just are, is Nebraska going to stick with Luke McCaffrey who played uh, the fourth quarter against Northwestern uh, in place of Adrian Martinez um, or would Martinez be back in the starting role? And I don't think you can entirely rule out either possibility. We don't know. Um, you know, categorically, which way that decision is going to go. We know before the season it was close and the coaching staff opted for Martinez in part, according to Scott Frost, because of the experience piece. And my sense is that because this is being openly talked about this week, you almost would go the other way and say that the, a tie this time around, if both played well in practice, might go to Luke McCaffrey. Um you know, Adrian Martinez, he didn't – it wasn't all bad on Saturday against Northwestern. He ran the ball authoritatively at 103 rushing yards on 13 carries. He's averaging seven yards a carry for the season. But the, the efficiency and the consistency in the passing game just hasn't been there. Um, and the latest display was 12 of 27 passing the ball uh, against Northwestern. Now, that's a really good defense, but you can't be down well below 50% and, and expect that to be, you know, adequate in the passing game. And so – I just tend to think that they'll give McCaffrey a chance uh, to start and, you know, maybe get a few more reps in practice, that sort of thing over the course of the week. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw Martinez in some capacity, but I, I would, I would tend to think that Luke McCaffrey will get a start. And, and I don't think there's any reason to suspect that he wouldn't play well. Um, now, is it going to be a total, revolution all of a sudden they're a high flying offense I don't know I think they still probably have some limitations that he can't just change himself uh but I would think that he would play fast and, and play relatively efficiently if he does start there's a micro conversation and a macro conversation here in my opinion the micro is sort of what Dietrich Mills said in some very candid comments after the game um, on Saturday, when he was asked about the quarterback situation and why Luke provides a spark, he said Luke uh, Luke runs the offense quickly. He gets the plays, gets gets everybody set, and gets going very quickly, which is what what this offense 
is designed to do. Um, we haven't always seen it um, for a variety of reasons, but I thought Diedrich was very candid. Um, then the macro conversation is, is it kind of goes back to what Frost said after that game as well, when he said they put Luke in for a spark. Well, they needed a spark during that game. But when I talk, when I say macro, I mean, I think the program needs a spark. Um, and I think that's why Luke McCaffrey, that's one of the reasons why Luke McCaffrey will be the starter, I think, on Saturday. It would make sense to me from that standpoint. This is a program that's lost seven of its last eight games. And I don't know, there's some, I think there's some apathy in the fan base. I hear from people. Um, I wrote that on Sunday and I hear from people that said, yeah, absolutely. I've checked out a little bit or I know somebody who has, or I'm about to, and you know, they might be less apt to check out if this, if this speedy quarterback from Colorado gives the offense a boost. So I'd, I, that's what I expect. It would be really interesting if Adrian trots out there number one, but I just, I just don't think that's, I just, I don't think he would, I just don't think it's going that way. It wouldn't make sense to me the way it's unfolded. Yeah. I, I think I agree with both of you guys. I think it's, I think it's Luke on Saturday to start. Um, I think the thing that's interesting to me is yes, he's got to operate the offense, but, but what, you know, what are the extenuating circumstances around him? Are there different receivers on the field with him? You know, is, is Xavier Betts or Alante Brown out there uh, instead of, mm-hmm. you know, Cade Warner or, or Levi Falk or whoever it may be? What does the running back situation look like behind Diedrich Mills? You know, um, so yeah, it's look, it's everything you guys have said so far and, and it's all, it's all correct. But at the same time, is it going to look like that last drive? You know, you wrote about this already, Parker, look at the last play. Nebraska had with the game on the line yeah. and look who was out there with Luke McCaffrey, you know, it was a couple of freshmen, a wide receiver and Wondell Robinson. And so is that what it looks like come that first drive Saturday? I don't know if, if it is. And I think it gets a lot more interesting. I think we're all in agreement with the offense moves a little different with Luke McCaffrey out there and feels a little different with Luke McCaffrey out there. And it would probably be good for Adrian to, you know, start a game on the sideline, just kind of watch and, and see what see what it looks like from a different point of view. But but what weapons is Luke going to be operating with? I think that's a big part of this too. So. That's a big, yeah, that's a big part of it. I'll tell you, I got to defend Adrian real fast, real fast. Adrian can't control his offensive line continuing to jump off sides. I mean, what set yeah. the tone in the game against Northwestern was not Adrian playing bad. It was veteran linemen jumping off sides in an empty stadium. It was a veteran lineman having a hold that set back a drive. Adrian can't control that crap. Um, and that's unfortunate. I think Adrian in some ways is held back a little bit by what's around him. Those, those things are no fault of Adrian. And I thought those four penalties in the first three drives set the tone for the game. Um, so that's, I mean, there's a lot of ways to defend Adrian, and that's a good one. On the other hand, Adrian, as you guys have talked about, just looked bad throwing it at times. Just didn't look – mechanically didn't look that good throwing it. So, I don't know. I, I think we're headed towards a change. We'll see where it goes. The It's going to be – one. Of, there's a lot of interesting wrinkles, you know, ripples in the pond, so to speak, after following that decision if it's made – um, and so, and, and among them are, you know, it's interesting, like on Nebraska's first drive, I was watching it on this afternoon as I was writing something else. And 
on the first drive of the game, you know, Marcus Fleming and a couple of, and Elante Brown came in in the midst of the first drive. And the first time the camera, the broadcast angle showed it, the first play that Fleming was in, you know, of course they don't huddle and you're running onto the field and he got lined up and they showed Adrian look out to him and bark something at him, you know, whether it was a play or an alignment or something like that. And that's just another, like, that is one wrinkle, I think, especially if those young guys get more and more time with McCaffrey. Now we've heard nothing but, you know, stellar things about McCaffrey's grasp of the offense. Like he's playing some receivers. So clearly he knows, you know, those roles and all of that. But one thing that, that Adrian was doing on Saturday um, and we saw actually crop up as an issue on the goal line with McCaffrey is you're directing traffic for a lot of young players out there. Um, and you're doing that in real time. Like I totally understand what Frost was saying about a spark because it feels a little bit different. It felt a little bit different, the pace that they played at when McCaffrey came in the game. But at the same time, when you have alignment penalties and, and you have freshmen in the game and all of that, like that is as much of what held back Nebraska's ability to play at lightning speed at times, more so than Adrian, you know, not having a spark to him or anything like that. Yeah, you hope he doesn't have to babysit a bunch of guys. I mean, right. that, that, I mean, get them ready. I mean, M- Manning comes out and lines up wrong immediately. That's, that's the kind of stuff you can't have. I mean, that's you're not going to beat good teams when you're doing that kind of stuff. It all adds well, up. It adds to the stress. Go ahead, Baz. I was going to say, doesn't that doesn't this too, as, as Gus wants to chime in as well, doesn't that too go to that, you know, we always hear that, well, we'll we're going to simplify the playbook. You know, we're going to make it simple so our guys can execute it. You know, does, does that happen this week? Do you just, do you just hmm. trim it down or whatever you want to call yeah. it and – you know, I mean, I don't know, but do you, if you are going to throw Luke out there and you're going to throw these freshman receivers out there and you've talked about how they don't know the whole offensive plan yet, you almost have to do that. Right. And then maybe that leads to better execution. Maybe it doesn't, but at the same time, you're looking at a smaller package of plays. Maybe that means you're looking at less traffic that, that Luke has to direct. When he's it's out the best there. coaching conference in the country. If you simplify too much, you just, well, that's just it. Yeah. I mean, it's a delicate balance. There's, there's yeah. no question. You can't just say we're going in there with five plays and good luck. You know, I mean, that's just how it yeah, is. Yeah, because that'll get sniffed out immediately. Yeah. So, so it's, okay. Go ahead, Baz. Go ahead, Parker. Well, the, the thing I was wondering then, Sipple, the next next layer of the question, we'll have plenty of time to discuss this, but I, I think that fans wonder about this a little bit. I mean, if Luke McCaffrey starts on Saturday against Penn State, can Adrian get the job back? Yes. The, I, I think the short answer is yes. I Because here's why. I mean, if you go back and read the quotes from Frost in announcing that Adrian was going to be the starter, he said in very clear terms, they're even. Yeah. I mean, the, these guys are even. So I could I can envision a situation that kind of goes back and forth. If if McCaffrey's struggling, you might go back to Adrian and and just see how that goes. Um, I don't know if that's the way to do it or not, but I mean – Frost has said that they were even, they were on the same, they were on this, nobody had an edge. So I could, yeah, I could definitely see Adrian um, going back under center or in the shotgun. And I wonder, the thing I wonder more about is what, I think Adrian can still help the team. And I still think he, I still think he has to be able to help the team. I think you have to have him in some role. Um, if, if not only in the name of fairness, 
in the name of the fact he's a, he, he runs the football really well. He's well, a good all, all the Go stuff. Ahead. Okay. Ahead. Yeah. There's two, there's two, I have two thoughts on that. I think you're exactly right. Okay. So my first thought is a lot of the stuff where Martinez and McCaffrey, we saw it more against Ohio state, but where, where they lined up in the backfield together, there's no mm-hmm. reason why you can't still run all that stuff. Right. And I would bet that Adrian Martinez is, is smart enough and knows the playbook well enough that if you wanted to run that same counterplay that, that McCaffrey hit the big run on against Ohio state at the beginning of the game, like I bet Adrian could run that too. There's also no reason why you couldn't just line Adrian up at quarterback and run that same play just because Luke McCaffrey quote unquote is the starter. And Absolutely. so I think that like clearly and, and Frost said that Northwestern took away with the way they played some stuff, like took away a little bit of the, the package that they had for McCaffrey in the game plan for that week. But all of the two quarterback stuff that they have in their bag of tricks can still be run, even if Adrian Martinez isn't the quote unquote starter. Yeah. And look, if you need a spark, then, then you got to run the stuff with your best guys out there. You know, you can talk about, well, the defense took away this or took away that. If you have that much confidence in those guys then run that stuff and, and make Northwestern prove they can stop or make Penn state prove they can stop. You know, I, I didn't love hearing that from frost and he's obviously a lot smarter about that stuff than I am understands it better than I do. But if these are two of your best guys, you got to use them, you know, and like, like you said, Parker, it doesn't matter who starts, like you can still run all that stuff, but, if you need a spark and you need to get this offense moving and you want to score points and get, get the right tempo and everything, then put those guys out there and run. The oh yeah. That's yeah. You know, don't tell me that while well, the defense took it away, you know, that's right. That's not good enough for me. Put your best players no. out there. Talked about it you, you grew up in an era where Nebraska just went to the line of scrimmage and said, here's what we're running. I mean, it's some, and so you got to stop us at some point, the best football teams, what they do is impose their physical will. It's I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with an offense when I hear too often a coach saying, we're taking what the defense gives us. Well, yeah. that's good, but I wouldn't base it around that. And I don't think that's what Frost does. I hope that's not what he's doing because it's the best teams just say, this is what we're going to do, and it's incumbent on you to stop us. How about that? Yeah. How about like that? Yeah. You yeah, should uh, be offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator, Sip. Mm-hmm. Adrian Martinez so far, uh, 26 carries. He's averaging 7.2 yards per carry. Give me and a completion uh, percentage there, Sparks. Luke, Luke McCaffrey is averaging 7.6 per carry. Okay, completion percentage for Adrian. Uh, 57.1 for Adrian Martinez. He was 64.6. He was 64.6 as a freshman. Yeah, 59.4 last year. Yeah, he's now it's 57.1 dipping. this year. It's dipping. It's dipping. It's yeah, dipping. it's not good. And McCaffrey is at <laughs> dipping, like the head dipping. coach. Uh, Seventy-six point two percent for Luke McCaffrey so far this year. Completion percentage. Yeah, numbers don't lie, right? I mean, and well, I kind of do in this case. Yeah, they can for sure. But, yeah. That wasn't a performance-based comment about Scott Frost either. Dipping. That was a yeah. play on words. We get it. I think um, I'm gonna start dipping too. I'm considering. I'd like to see you dip a little more. I'd like to yeah. see you just bring a bag of red man into the press box. Yeah, I'm. I thought about that the other day. I, I think that's a new thing in my 50s. I'm gonna start dipping. 
That's a good. That's a good time to start. Probably, you're definitely not prone to you know various mouth or throat. Of all, the, of all the habits at your you advanced age, fifties. That's for sure the one you should. Pursue. Yeah. Like you, you wouldn't want to get. You wouldn't want to get like a bike and and you know go put. Some yeah, you wouldn't like, want to like ride to work on on your bike or anything. It just get straight into Redman about four times a day. Six a.m. <laughs> noon, three p.m., six p.m. Redman. I mean, is it something that kind of keeps you up? I mean, it gives you a butt, little buzz. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> red man and red man and five hour energy sip. You'd be flying. Uh, you'd be, you wouldn't be fluctuating wildly. You wouldn't even need to take the elevator to the press box. You just fly right up there. <laughs> You'll be wildly fluctuating. Oh. What else we got? What else we got? Oh, before we move on to well, do we do we want to talk any more football first, or do we think well, like yeah. we kind of covered what we needed to? Would you have thought? I mean, who would have who would have thought that when this when when the season started that there'd be a combined zero wins in this game? Hey, I got I got Crazy. a question for you guys. Get ready for this, Baz. Ready. Um, do you think Nebraska has ever been an underdog at home to a team that's zero and three? I'm gonna say no. Yeah, that's I mean, bizarre. What what is the spread? I haven't even seen it yet. It opened at four. It opened at four. Penn State by four. And then I saw. I think Vegas. That was um, uh, bet online. I think. And then Vegas Insider was three or three and a half. Let me look and see what it's at. Bass, have you done your scouting report? I've got it just about done. And it's funny how when you look at Penn State, how a lot of it on offense looks like Nebraska. Um, they've got a quarterback, an incumbent quarterback who's struggling. Um, he's throwing Sean Clifford. Yeah, Sean Clever. He's put up some good numbers, but he's gotten hit a ton. He's been sacked 13 times in three games. Maryland sacked him seven times last week, and it's kind of the same thing as as Adrian a little bit. He's missing open guys. Like he's, you know, he's a little almost a little skittish in the pocket from time to time. They don't have a running game to speak of uh, from their running backs. You know, he's well, they they yeah, per Sean 3.4 per carry as a team. Yeah, and- how does that happen? John, John Clifford, Clifford had 17 carries against Maryland, and their top running back had nine carries against Maryland. What happened? Do you see well, them well, in the Cotton Bowl? Yeah, Jeremy what happened Brown was those guys that were running in the Cotton Bowl aren't hurt. Are hurt? Yeah, they're not playing. You know, <clears throat> they, and that's part of the deal too. They lost. They lost Journey Brown, who's really good and was going to be one of the best running backs in the in the league. They lost his backup too. You know, and, and his name escapes me at the moment, but Noah Kane. Noah Kane, yeah, and they don't have either of those guys, and, and so you're playing guys that you thought probably weren't going to be playing a whole lot, and they're starting for you, and you're running your quarterback a lot, so he, your quarterback's getting hit a lot, and it's just it's been tough. They haven't been able to establish anything on the ground, and that's hurt them in the passing game. Meanwhile, meanwhile, they're giving up 36 points a game. Yeah, um, they're down 28 yeah, seven <laughs> at halftime to Maryland last week, 35 seven. They're giving up 36 a game. They're down 28-7 to Maryland at halftime last week. Man. Uh, and down 35-7 early in the third quarter. I think Maryland had a scoop and score early in the third quarter to go up 35-7. Um, last week against Maryland, Sean Clifford had 30 incompletions. 27 for 57. 27, 57 for 57 attempts is a school record. Yeah, that's the most the quarterbacks ever thrown in a game is 57. 27 for 57, and Devin Ford, their running back, had nine carries for 36 yards. Yeah, I mean, they're just – they're a mess on offense. And it's, it's similar – and we've heard talk from James Franklin this week about getting their other quarterback involved, you know, the the, oh, the running quarterback. You Levis? Know, it's, yeah, it's 
it's think- almost eerie how similar it is to to what Nebraska's facing right now. It's it's just it's, it's similar positions, it's similar results. You know, the defense hasn't gotten stops when it needed to get stops. So it's two teams that are kind of looking in the mirror a little bit. So yeah, the matchup side of it is fascinating. Um, and I think that's what makes this this game fascinating is it's two teams that are trying to find themselves with not a lot of time left. It's crazy it is to say not a lot of time left in the year to kind of find out what they are as as a team. Who's this other quarterback they're looking at, Baz? He's a uh, I've been doing basketball stuff all day, so my brain's fried. I forget his name, but he's his last name he's is Levis. Yeah, Levis. he's basically the running quarterback. Will Levis, I think, is his name. Okay, he's basically like the the runner. That he's kind of a big, strong guy, uh, kind of like a, I don't want to say a wildcat quarterback, but he's a run first quarterback hmm. type. And and basically, James Franklin said we need to get him involved just to give Sean Clifford a little bit of a break, so he's not out there every play, so he can come over to the sideline and watch a little bit. And, and things like that. So that just tells you where where uh, Penn State's head coach thinks their starting quarterback or where their quarterback position, you know, as a whole is right now. Yeah, you got to wonder about their state of mind, too, because that was a top 10 team. I mean, they were seventh in – I think they're seventh in the preseason AP yes. poll. Now, now – yet they were absolutely seventh. Now where – where's their heads? collectively well that's just it do uh, they come in here desperate or they just come in here ready for the season to be over and do they right. you know you know do they roll over right away you know it's 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 an interesting paradox <clears throat> there's a in those situations what, what, what you, i think that everyone's a little different obviously but i think when you are in that situation if something good happens early in the game you can rally and fight through that but sometimes when you're on the brink like that, if you get punched early, then mm-hmm. it just it gets really hard to, you know, we get, we went into that like, and I don't I'm not comparing Penn State this year to Maryland last year from a talent perspective, but situationally, you know, second to last game of the season, obviously it didn't go the way Maryland wanted it to last year. They just weren't very good. But there was about five minutes at the beginning of that game. We talked about that. We had the same conversation in the lead up to the game. Like, are they going to come out? Are they going to want to play or not? We thought Nebraska would. We didn't know if Maryland would or not. And for about five minutes, it looked like they were there to play. But Nebraska scored and then got a turnover. And they just – Maryland just folded <laughs> up. And then the route was on from there. And so, you know, Penn State's good enough to avoid that happening. Um, but, man, at 0-3, if you fall behind early or something like that, it gets tough to yeah. – it gets tough. On the but, road, tra- traveling all that way in a pandemic. Way, yeah. Yeah, can, you can, stadium. You can frame this this game up in an interesting way involving Maryland. You look at Maryland, what they did to Penn State, leading twenty eight to seven at half, going up thirty five to seven, really just beating the brakes off Penn State. Okay, now wait a second. Now, so Maryland did that last week, just a week ago. If I mean that's Loxley's second year. Now he's got a quarterback and Talia. Say the last name. I always Back Yeah, he's got a quarterback, but I mean Nebraska's supposed to have a young quarterback too. Um, is if if Maryland can beat Penn State that badly, a week later, it's not going to be a great optic if Nebraska can't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, mean, the, the, I framed that game up. I mean, that's an interesting way to frame it up. Well, Think about what Loxley walked into. 
I mean, he walked into a, a, a mess created by Durkin, DJ Durkin, who literally had a death in his program. And you wondered about Maryland football. Where, where could it go? Now, look at Maryland at two and one, having beaten Minnesota and Penn State. Yeah, shredded. You know, yeah, why, why, can, why can Maryland do that? So, I mean, I'm watching that. I'm watching the game almost through that lens. No, that's fascinating. Is that, is and, that unfair? Is that unfair? No. No, it's not. And if Nebraska comes out and lays another egg on offense, you know, if they get beat 28-10 or whatever, 28-13, then that question really amps up. Well, Maryland just did this. Why can't Nebraska? Is Nebraska behind Maryland now all of a sudden in the Big Ten? No, is Nebraska behind God knows how many teams now in the Big Ten? So, yeah, no, you're right, Sip. It's a it's a fascinating way to frame it. And that's maybe the best way to frame it is to look at it in that lens. That's how I'm looking at it. Do we – uh? You'll, you'll like Will Levis, Sipple. He's 6'3", 225. Oh, big old Yeah, horse. everybody should be 6'3", 225 on a football field. Everybody. Every well, single he, person. He's got two <laughs> Every single person. I'm going to call Wandale Robinson personally and tell him you said that. <laughs> okay, there's some exceptions. I'm going to call Rondale Moore and tell him you said that. And like <laughs> that Rondale's playing any football. Barry Sanders, Johnny Barry Rogers, Sanders. Blah, 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 blah. All right, all right. Go ahead. Should we uh, – should we give some predictions before we move on to some some Cruton? Some Cruton talk here. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go first. Um, <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, it's okay, tough. Mark. I think uh, I Bad think Nebraska's got I'm kind of to the point now where Nebraska's got to prove to me they can do it. You know, it's they've lost seven eight. It, show me you can win a game before I'm gonna not that this matters, but show me you can win a game before I'm gonna pick you to win the game. You know, I think the offense probably looks a little better with Luke. But, you know, who knows? Who knows what that means? Do they lose a shootout? Does the offense stagnate in the second half? Uh, what is it? Do they end up playing both quarterbacks? Does Luke struggle? You know, does Luke play great? I don't know. But until you prove to me that you can do it, it's tough for me to pick you to do it. So I'll take Penn State 28, Nebraska 24. 28 to 24. Parker, what do you say? Yeah, I, I mean, sentimentally, I totally agree with Baz. I mean, I picked Nebraska last week and shouldn't have, um, given just the body of work in terms of playing clean. Um, you know, the caveat last week was if they do that, they'll beat Northwestern. I think that they would have beat Northwestern if they'd have done that, but they just hadn't shown that they could do that. They talked about it, but hadn't shown that they could do it and, and clearly – uh, didn't. Um, it's it's very odd because be, before the season, I would have told you that I thought that the secondary, I did say that I thought the secondary was the strength of Nebraska's defense. And that would seem to be a pretty good matchup for a team like Penn State, who, as it turns out, hasn't been able to run the ball effectively and, and has a couple of talented pass catchers in Jahan Dotson, the receiver who made like a couple of ridiculous plays against Ohio State. Um, and Pat Fryermuth, the, the tight end, who could be a first-round draft pick. But watching the first two games, I actually go the other way. I mean, the front seven has been better than the secondary so far, in my non-expert opinion, for Nebraska. And it's actually, if Penn State decides they're going to throw the ball all over the place, maybe Nebraska gets enough pressure to really rattle um, Sean Clifford. Maybe not. I think that that could be sort of problematic for Nebraska if, if if it gets into a you know push the ball down the field regularly type of game and that combined with 
Kirk Soraka, generally speaking, the offensive coordinator there, um, you know, calling a couple of really good games against Nebraska when he was at Minnesota is just enough. Like, I have no idea what to think of this game, but all of those things are just enough for me to pick Penn State 31-28. Well, what do you know? All three of us. What do you know? All three of us picked Nebraska last week. Okay. And now all three of us are picking Penn State this week because there's no way I'm picking Nebraska. I mean, I, I, I mean, I thought this might be the second hardest game on the schedule coming into the season. Obviously, it's not now, but I mean, Penn State's got talent. There's, there's no doubt in my mind, Penn State's got talent on defense, even without Micah Parsons. I just can't see Nebraska scoring a lot of points against this team. I, I, I don't think Penn State's going to have to score a lot to win. I mean, they might be able to score 27 and get out of there with a win. So I'm going to pick Penn State 31 to 17. Penn wow. State 31, scores. Nebraska 17. There and then we go. just let the reactions wash over us after Nebraska loses by two touchdowns to a 0 3 football team at, at home. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like you. I, I, it's, I think it'd be a little, I think it'd almost be a, reckless to pick Nebraska at this point yeah you're right when when you watched Maryland I mean I've watched actually quite a bit of Maryland the past couple weeks and the thing that jumps out to you like just jumps out to you is the way that Tagovailoa has played uh the, the last few weeks compared to when he really had a rough first go of it in their opener but that that receiving trio of Rakeem Jarrett Dante Demas and Deshaun Jones that's, that's some pretty serious talent. I mean, those yeah, are yeah. that Nebraska does not have receivers like that. They do. They cannot threaten a defense through the air like that, that we've seen so far. And maybe not right. if, you have a, if you have a breakthrough outing from Marcus Fleming uh, and they get Wandale on track and, and maybe Omar takes another step or whatever, like, could they get there? Maybe this year, um, but they don't, they, Nebraska doesn't have skill like Maryland. Uh, has in that receiving core and that that's like at least mildly concerning I would think do you ever find it bizarre when we have these conversations and you and you say the words and you're right Nebraska doesn't have skill like Maryland last year I wrote a whole column about the fact Nebraska doesn't have skill anywhere close to Minnesota yeah why bizarre yeah yeah it's a great question I was watching Buffalo last night little Maction and Buffalo's running backs are really good like yeah. two guys that could come to Nebraska and play a lot of snaps, you know, and that's no knock on Diedrich Mills, but man, you go, Buffalo has guys that don't look like the guys Nebraska has, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's Buffalo. That's not those Maryland guys. Or, those guys could play a lot of places. The Buffalo. Region. Yeah. That's just it. Those guys could play about anywhere. And, and that's Buffalo. That's not Maryland or Indiana or Minnesota or whoever that's Buffalo. So I mean, that tells you kind of where it is, right, with, with Nebraska on offense. They just don't have enough of those guys at the end of the day, no matter who the quarterback is. They just don't have enough of those guys to, like Parker said, to threaten a defense, whether it's well, Berkeley or anywhere else. How about, how about you just go back to 2014 when a coach got fired? That 14 offense had Amir Abdullah, who rushed that year for 1,600 yards. Amir Abdullah ran for 1,600 yards that year. They had Kenny Bell, Jordan Westerkamp, 
uh, DeMornay Pearsonell, Seethen Carter. I mean, when people tell me, oh, Sip, man, Frost got talent. Okay, yeah, he's got guys. I mean, of course, they, they're going to have players. But in 2014, a coach got fired with those players. And that, that's – Frost would kill to have a couple of those guys. He would no. kill somebody on the on the weekly Zoom call if he could have those guys in his A couple of them, yeah. Well, when you, when you look around the league, though, I mean, you know, uh, Maryland has those three guys. You know, Iowa's got a deep receiving core. Uh, Indiana's got – uh, Watt Fillier and, and a couple of other guys that can really play at receiver. Um, you know, there's just, there's good receiving cores all over, uh, all over the big 10, really, even among the teams that aren't, um, you know, upper level big 10 teams, there's some really dangerous, uh, obviously, you know, in Minnesota with Bateman and, and Ottman Bell, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of good players out there um, at that position in the big 10 and, Nebraska's trying to work some new guys in that they're really high on. So don't, don't let me sit here and say like, well, they've got nothing. They've got some options that, they, that we're going to see more of, I think, but um, it would behoove Nebraska if those options came along pretty quickly. Yeah. Minnesota went and got Bateman, Bateman out of Georgia, the state of Georgia and Altman Bell's from Illinois. I mean, you, sometimes you got to go get them, but they're out there. Yeah. You got to You got to get the dudes. Got to get the Jimmies and the Joes. Speaking well, of, speaking of that, Joes, Hey, that's called a segue, people. Yeah. Let's talk a little. Let's talk a little recruiting. Nebraska basketball got its two 2021 commits signed today. Uh, Kisi Tomanaga uh, was the first to turn in his letter of commit. Wilhelm Breidenbach's letter of intent came in about an hour ago. So Nebraska has those two guys in the fold, and that we found out today that Nebraska is going to find out Friday if they land a top 25 recruit uh, in Bryce McGowan's. Um, has Nebraska in his final two along with Georgia. Of course, uh, Bryce's brother, Trey, uh, is a member of the team here at Nebraska. This is a, this would be a massive, massive uh, win for Nebraska on the recruiting trail. Obviously, he's a top 25 player, but he would be the first five-star basketball recruit program assigned uh, in the recruiting service era, which goes back to 2002, I believe, 2002-03. And that's on top of these two guys you signed today, who are both – Really, really interesting players. Wilhelm Breidenbach, a top 100 guy, depending on what recruiting service you look at, the second highest rated recruit Nebraska's ever signed uh, in the recruiting service era. You look at Kisei Tomonaga, guy shot 48% from three-point range in junior college last year, coming over from Japan. Right? He, he looks like Baz shooting the ball. Yeah, he does. He looks like me shooting the ball. He's got the left-handed stroke. Um, but look, and it's clear what he's being brought here for. Uh, he's being brought here because he makes a lot of shots and he makes them at a high rate and he, they're not going to ask him to come in and lock down Michigan state's point guard on defense or anything like that. He's coming here because he can get buckets and he's got range. So it's two really, really interesting guys. Um, Kesey Tomonaga has another year at Juco ball left down at Ranger college in Texas. Um, so we'll see how his stats look this year. Brian box uh, high senior season, of high school basketball doesn't start until 2021. Uh, with the pandemic going on. So we won't be able to see a lot of him until then. But these are two guys that are going to come in right away and compete for playing time on top of a top 25 guy who's going to come in right away. Yeah. Can I go random on you guys? Can I go yes. really random? Get ready, for this. Get ready for this, Baz. Ready. So Bryce McGowan, you're, you're saying probably a really good shot for Nebraska to get him. Yes. Think about, think about the hoops 
South Carolina, the state of South Carolina has produced these guys. How about, how about Kevin Garnett? Pretty good. How about, how about Ray Allen? Pretty good. How about Zion Williamson? Never heard of him. How about, uh, how about a little Larry Nance? Sure. Parker, do you know who Larry Nance is? Yeah, Larry Nance, senior or junior? Okay, there you go, a senior. Probably junior too, actually. But I um, saw his son, I saw his son um, put up. Son's in the league. Right I saw now. his son put up two 30-20 performances in like a two-week span. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, You're, yeah. You Montana covered that. State played like a home and home with Wyoming. How about John ja, ja Morant? This Heard is all in the state. How about Al, hey hey Bass? I don't think Parker knows this name. Alex English. Yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah, Denver Bass? Nuggets. Yep. Yeah. Parker, did you know that name? Yeah. <laughs> how about how about how about NBA All Star Jermaine O'Neal? Sure. These are all from the state of South Carolina. That's um, going to be the headline of my story if this kid commits. Is that Sipple compared Bryce <laughs> McGowan's to the greatest players to ever come out of South Carolina? He called I him the next Alex, Alex English. I'm the next Jermaine O'Neal. How about how about I'm just freaked out by South Carolina producing all these players. I'll give you one more. That I, I, he was a personal favorite of mine. If you can, if you can name one of the teams he played for, I'm not giving you money because I don't have a lot right now. But <laughs> how about how about Raymond Felton? Raymond. Yeah, you mean Raymond Felton, not Raymond. Yeah, it's the, Raymond the point guard, the former North Carolina point guard. Yeah, yeah. Played, played for the Thunder. Nice God, you guys are good. All right, there you go. That's good. <laughs> All right. He played, so yeah. yeah. Anyway, the point of this is simple. You don't have to pay me for that, but you owe me ten still. So I do still owe you ten. How'd Jeez. that get by? How'd that by? How'd that get by the Evanston trip? I don't know. Point go is. Ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Do you guys want to work out your financial situation? <laughs> no, go ahead, Bass. I'm like, sorry. Should we just should we just call it good? No, point is, Nebraska's going to sign a really good class. They've already signed a really good class. It's got a potential to be a really, really good class. If they get Bryce McGowan's, you're talking about a class that all of a sudden jumps into the top half of the Big Ten, uh, recruiting rankings-wise, jumps to pretty close to a top 40 class nationally. And compare that to what Fred Hoiberg brought in his first year when he first got here. And, and you can already see the talent upgrade from year one to year two. It's going to take another jump up year two to year three. So you can see it. you can see it happen. And if this comes together for Nebraska at the end of this week in a couple of days here, all of a sudden you go, whoa, 2021, 22, that it gets real, real quick. And that's not even thinking about what could happen this year with, with the guys they have on that team. So they're on their way. They've got some momentum going. They land Bryce McGowan's. He comes here and can produce all of a sudden the, the trains left the station and Nebraska's rolling in, in a really tough conference. So going to be interesting to watch the next couple of days. That, uh, a that, uh, that recruiting class was a big old – that'd be a big old yawn for John Cook. Yeah, seriously. It, what? Oh, so you can so you can send the number one, number two, and number three players in the nation in one class? Because that's what I did. And, oh, by the way, like the 17th-ranked player in the class and the 60th-ranked player in the class, like whatever. I mean – Four of the top ten in the country, I think. Yeah, it's a ridiculous class. That's just – I mean, you say it's just business as usual, as usual for John Cook, but it's really not. Like that's a freakish – class like it's it's so it's it's a speaks to what nebraska is as a program and who john cook is as a coach and also speaks to just the talent in the state of nebraska 
because yeah. a couple of those players aren't very far away. You know, there's one right down the road in Waverly. There's one up at Omaha Scut. I'm sure a lot of you that are going to listen to this probably saw the picture of, of Lindsey Krauss floating around on, on Twitter today for the state tournament, just, just flying above the net, you know, ready to wreak havoc on some, some poor unsuspecting defensive specialists for the other team. Like, it's, it's quality. It's, it's really good. And, yes, Nebraska got this great class. They got these great players. But they didn't have to go far to find a lot of them. And it's, it's a challenge to keep players like that home. Nebraska's able to do it. And it's special, man. That's a special class. They're gonna be, it's going to be fun to watch that class the next couple of years. And, you know, just to kind of wrap this up, too, I'll touch on baseball real quick. It's, it was a big signing day for baseball, too. You know, signing Drew Christo out of Elkhorn, who's a potential MLB draft pick. Um, Chase Mason out of South Dakota. Uh, potential MLB draft pick, a guy that had football scholarship offers from Wyoming, Fresno State, to play quarterback. Uh, you talk about keeping in-state kids home. Nebraska's done that, too. I think they got five of the top six kids out of the 2021 class, and the one they didn't get is going to play quarterback at North Dakota State. You know, So good, pretty good day all around for the teams that had early signing periods today, and, and it says a lot about the direction. I think the future is headed for those programs as, a, as it relates to talent. Do you guys didn't want to know any more about South Carolina? <laughs> the Palmetto State. Their nickname is, that what it is, is the Palmetto State. Yeah. Is it? Is it? Yeah. What's a Palmetto? The tree. Look at their flag, bro. Okay. I I, I'm, I guess I'm not forced on a, them. You walked into a real trap on this one, Sipple. Did yeah. I? Yeah, yeah. What you else you got for about, Any more about South Carolina? Baz just started reeling off South Carolina. Laid it on you. Charleston's How'd a you... lovely city. How do you know that they're that the palmetto tree is on their flag? I I don't know. I like I pay attention to stuff when I see it. So what are you suggesting that I don't? I was pretty impressed. I was pretty impressed, Simple. <laughs> I think was it this morning that you just like casually mentioned that Jay Morant was from Sumter, and you're like, that's where Keem Green's from. <laughs> that's right. John Morant like, and wow. Keem Green are from. Yeah, John Morant Cut from the same cloth. Yeah, yeah, Sumter. Sumter, South Carolina. All right, yeah. guys. Should we ra- let's wrap this baby up. Uh, again, I want to thank Tom Dinsdale Automotive, Grand Island Hastings for sponsoring this podcast. Really appreciate those guys doing that for us. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, interesting few days coming up on the recruiting trail and on the football field come Saturday. So we'll have a lot to talk about next week. Until then, see you soon.